listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. The scripture this this morning is uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning. Um, It is first my honor and privilege to be here with you this morning um, and just want to thank thank God for the blessings on my life and just the opportunity to share and see. It's so good to be out in public. I just have to say that. It's like, oh my God, I'm still amazed. Um, I'd also like to thank your pastor, Dan Brockway, for the invite and publicly acknowledge and appreciate his presence, not only in this community, but on campus, and even with his work with American Baptist Churches USA, um, especially on the Anti-Racism Task Force. He has been a, a wonderful member of that. It is also good to see some of my friends from the college. So, hello everyone, it's been good. Um, some retired, enjoying that life. I'm getting there one day, but not yet. Um, So if you would just join me in prayer at this moment um, as I begin to share. Gracious God, thank you for yet another day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I ask that you be with me as I prepare to share my heart and hopes, but most importantly, remove me and let your will be done in and through me and your people. In Christ's name, amen. When the Ladies' Anti-Slavery Society of Rochester, New York, invited Douglas to give a July 4th speech in 1852 at Corinthian Hall, because of his convictions around the day, Douglas opted to speak on July 5th instead. Hence, a July 5th message today. I know it's July 4th, just so you know. On July 5th, 1852, Frederick Douglass gave what might have been his most famous oration, What to the Enslaved is the 4th of July? While many celebrate this day, as I see the red, white, and blue as I drove in, it's a fabulous thing, um, and its purpose of commemorating the announcement and explanation of the separation from Great Britain on July 4th, 1776, to some, Celebrations of Americans' independence on July 4th are a reminder of the country's hypocrisy on the matter of freedom. As enslavement played a key role in the nation's history, even today, America's history of racism is still being written while other forms of modern-day enslavement persist in the U.S. and around the world. And I'll add a parenthetical here. I recently visited the Legacy Museum in Birmingham, Alabama, if you get the opportunity, please visit it because this came to life for me to understand the history and the continuity of enslavement and what it looks like in current day. Closing that parenthesis. 
Thank you. Within the last year, and to highlight the relevance of the words that were given almost 170 years ago, the descendants of Frederick Douglass narrated his speech that we will now watch. Douglas is my great 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 granddaughter of Frederick Douglas. I am the great 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 grandchild. I've been counting on my fingers since I was like five. This is the 4th of July. It is the birthday of your national independence and of your political freedom. Fellow citizens, I shall not presume to dwell at length on the associations that cluster about this day. The simple story of it is that 76 years ago, the people of this country were British subjects. Oppression makes a wise man mad. Your fathers were wise men, and if they did not go mad, they became restive under this treatment. With brave men, there's always a remedy for oppression. They succeeded, and today you reap the fruits of their success. The freedom gained is yours and you, therefore, may properly celebrate this anniversary. Fellow citizens, pardon me. Allow me to ask why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I or those I represent to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? I am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. Fellow citizens, above your national tumultuous joy, I hear the mournful wail of millions. At a time like this, scorching irony, not convincing argument is needed. Oh, had I the ability and could reach the nation's ear, I would today pour out a fiery stream of biting ridicule, blasting reproach, withering sarcasm, and stern rebuke. For it is not light that is needed, but fire. It is not the gentle shower, but thunder. We need the storm, the whirlwind, and the earthquake. The feeling of the nation must be quickened. The conscience of the nation must be roused. The propriety of the nation must be startled. The hypocrisy of the nation must be exposed, and its crimes against God and man must be proclaimed and denounced. What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year, 
the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham. Your boasted liberty and unholy license. Your national greatness, swelling vanity. Your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless. Your denunciations of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence. Your shouts of liberty and equality. Hollow mockery. Your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings. With all your religious parade and solemnity are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy. There is not a nation on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of these United States at this very hour. Allow me to say in conclusion, notwithstanding the dark picture I have this day presented of the state of the nation, I do not despair of this country. Um, this speech was written almost 170 years ago, but there, I mean, this part of it is still extremely relevant, especially with today's protests. I think that when people are oppressed, they feel silenced, and if someone feels silenced, they get angry. There are certain tactics that you need to use to get people to really hear your voice, and it's not always going to be just like a very calm discussion. I think he's mostly talking to the people who are already on his side, but believe that um, they can still try to talk this out, or that things are still justifiable. I know a lot of people at the time were saying, and people now are still saying that it's not as bad as it could be. While the 4th of July probably does not feel the same to me as it does to others, I wouldn't say that it has no meaning because it is the time when America as a country became free from another country. Um, but I would say that it's not the time in which I gained my freedom. He had a lot of hope, especially for his age. And like I'm getting to the point in my life where I'm only 20 years old, but I'm, I'm exhausted. Like I'm, I have these thoughts like, will we ever really get to this point? Or is this really something that we should actually spend our time fighting for? Somebody once said that pessimism is a tool of white oppression. And I think that's true. I think in many ways we are still um, slaves to the notion that it will never get better. But I think that there is hope, um, and I think it's important that we celebrate black joy and black life, and we remember that change is possible, change is probable, um, and that there's hope. Please note that this um, video, which I absolutely love the youth um, narrating that because it just reminds us of its currency, um, but it was done shortly after the George Floyd killing and really pointing out for us how in fact things still largely stay the same. Um, and as they said, he was speaking to people who were already on his side and so that I compel us as um, 
children of God to really think about, we're on the right side, but how are we going further? So that's a piece of what. And my last thing about this, as I think about the day, is um, for some of us, including myself, um, we'll be doing a Juneteenth part two because that is truly one of the symbols of freedom in the African-American community in particular, and um, acknowledging today as July 4th. So one, I just want to reiterate um, some of the most impressive lines from the speech that we just heard. And it is much longer. And I highly encourage people to read it in its entirety um, and let it kind of examine us. But these lines really impact me. And it says, go search where you will. Roam through all the monarchies and despotisms of the old world. Travel through South America. Search out every abuse. And when you have found the last, lay your facts by the side of the everyday practices of this nation. You, and you will say with me that for the revolting barbarity and shameless hypocrisy, America reigns without a rival. This morning, as was the case with Douglas, I am both angry and hopeful. It is my hope that my being here this morning will allow you to further consider there is much promise in our country and our communities and our congregations and especially ourselves. And while that promise exists, there are far too many troubles that many of us are facing. Troubles that indeed find the United States without a rival, especially for those of us who are believers. As the scripture was read, it says, it is absolutely clear that God has called us to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. As my parents would suggest when I had done something that did not live up to their values that they had instilled in me, like our country, we as a church have some explaining to do. Today, I'd like us to consider the church, much like our country has some work to do, if we are indeed to show the love of Christ so that others might know the peace that passes all understanding. I hope you don't mind, but I'd like to share some details of my life and how and why I wrestle with and strive to live out this scripture, one that values each life and serves an example of God's love. I was born to Helen Pashadley and Mitchell Holmes, my beloved mother, Helen, the daughter of a Polish immigrant. For those wondering, that's where I get my last name, and I choose to keep it because I love it. It surprises people. To see a black woman walk in with the name Pashadley is priceless. That aside, um, and just as a note of reference, my granddad came over through Ellis Island. I have the paperwork. It's amazing to see that. And he was a racist. He was unbearably racist, but love him nonetheless. And my grandmother was French-Canadian, of course, both of them Euro-Americans. And my amazing father, Mitchell, the son of a sharecropper and devoted wife from Wynn, Arkansas. 
and both of them African Americans. And again, sharecroppers being those folks who rented the land after enslavement was entered, ended. So going back to the homestead um, about six years ago and seeing the home they built and meeting some of the people who knew our family was actually very interesting um, to hear and understand those stories. And yet, we persist as a family. As I stand here today, I am thankful for every experience, and as Psalm 139.13 says, for it is you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That being said, <laughs> I am here knowing that my purpose is real and that I am here today to share this story. It won't take... <laughs> I won't take time to share my parents' love story, except to say that they both modeled for me what it meant to love in spite of. But I will share some of the stories that have led me to understand that I am exactly who I was created to be and ask that you consider that the same applies to everyone. Ready for some stories. I was born and lived my first few years in the historic Cornhill section of Rochester, New York. When I was a toddler, my parents were the recipients of hate mail from members of the KKK instructing them that their lives were in danger if they continued to live and raise little bastard babies. My father was shot, shot. My father was shot at while on break from his city bus um, driving. We later found out, or he later found out, that the shooter, my grandfather, remember the earlier reference, was upset that he and my mother were dating. Other impactful memories include the multiple family gatherings or events my sister and I spent being ignored and wondering what was wrong with us, the only two little brown children in the room often. Many of those gatherings were in church settings, another note. While I have plenty of other stories, I must also share God's grace in providing a maternal grandmother, my French-Canadian grandmother, that was mightier than her 5'2 frame and su suggested who would call to task her children for their treatment of her grandchildren, me being one of them. For a mother who would spend her life devoted to providing my sister and I with love and support as we learned to navigate a world that was so unkind. As well, I had a community and opportunities that allowed me to truly accept that I was indeed knit together in my mother's womb for such a time as this. Sharing all of these stories, I am even more thankful as they serve as a reminder that God, God does not make mistakes, so much so, I believe that my life experiences have given me the opportunity to develop a keen sense of care for those who might otherwise be excluded. So you say, what does this have to do with Douglas's speech? Douglas's speech and refusal to give it on the 4th of July caused the listener to interrupt the commonly accepted and practiced realities instead and instead challenge ourselves to consider the experiences and perspectives of those who may not be included. In 1852 and even today, the 4th of July does not hold the same meeting for the then enslaved nor the present day historically excluded person or group. Instead, as John 13.35 says, we should strive to achieve that we will be known by our love, a love that has first been given to us. 
A love that first examines where we are only experiencing life from our perspective, but are willing to open up and through love serve one another, speak the language of freedom, express gratitude that births hearts full to respond to the greatness of God so we can draw others. After all, that's why we are the church. Those who like us at some point, <laughs> those who like us at some point most needed to know the love of God, and I know that story. Today, I encourage each of us to ask God to put someone in our space that is difficult to love, that others or I don't love or understand, and to love them with the grace that we have been given. Take a moment, ask yourselves, who are those persons in your lives? Are they young people who aren't doing it in the manner that we think they should? Are they persons with disabilities who move in this world very differently sometimes? Are they migrant workers? Are they immigrants? Are they children at the borders? Are they our brothers and sisters who identify as LBGTQIA? Are they newly released prisoners? Are they those who are homeless? Are, those, are they the ones who are jobless? Those who call the church office asking for assistance? Are they the mentally ill? As Hebrews 10 instructs, let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good works. Provoke one another in the same way that my father, mother, grandmother, and a host of other angels did along my journey so that I might see and be the light in darkness for those most needing to know the love of God. In closing, consider this quote from Lilla Watson where she calls the listener to do the real work of liberation. If you come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you come because of your liberation, because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. I truly believe our country would be what the founding fathers may or may not have envisioned. If we loved one another, for how God created us and not how we wish ourselves or others were created. Thank you. Blessings and amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at Brockport FB, and on our website rockportfirstbaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.